Okay, we are learning Daf Nun Zayin. We're starting from three lines down in the wide lines, right where it says two dots. Atarnagolov, Atarnagolasa, Kharif, Tor, Malka. So basically, we said that there are times where irony is a small little thing, you never know what it's going to lead to. And the Gemara introduced that yesterday. Ashra Yadam Fakhi Tamad. You always have to be nervous, certain anxiousness about what will come as a ramification of your actions. So yesterday, we focused on the story of. Kamsar and Bar Kamsar, and that was the catalyst of the destruction of the base of Mikdash. And today, we're going to focus on the other stories that we just touched on yesterday briefly. So there was a story, there was a rooster, there was a hen, and the whole kingdom, the whole place of Har HaMelech was destroyed. It's not so clear where exactly Har HaMelech is. We don't know so much about it, but it's definitely in the Yehuda. It's not, it's not in the northern part, certainly in the southern part of Israel. There was a minog, Whenever a chasun and went out, meaning like the hotza, like taking them out to the chuppah, they would bring as well these animals to accompany to the wedding, rooster and a hen. And they would say, kolomar, as if they were saying, meaning they wouldn't actually say, but they were present as if they were saying, you should be fruitful and multiply like the hens. It's an interesting idea that the hens therefore became a symbol of procreation. So that was the idea that there was a blessing for the new couple. One day, the, the chuppah was taking place and this Roman, the few Romans were passing by. And they took the rooster away. You know, remember at that time, the Romans felt they could do whatever they want. So they took the, that rooster in the head. And the people jumped over them and they killed them. So it seemed like, okay, in the moment, it was smart. There was just a few Romans, a bunch of Jews at a wedding. They have the upper hand. They have the leverage. So they killed, uh, they killed the Romans. But then what happened was also Armand the Caesar. There was a report that came all the way back to the Caesar. It reached all the way back in Rome. And he, they, they said to him, that the Jews have rebelled against you. And then they didn't tell him all the story. They didn't tell him what the circumstances behind it. They just said that there was a Husser and the, they just said that they killed him. And therefore, also Elihu, the Caesar came to them, meaning in context, to fight. And fight on this mountain. So that's the reason why the war started occurring. Now we're going to talk about how bad what exactly happened at this war. It also is not so clear if this happened before or after the base of Mitosh was destroyed. It definitely seems that there were different periods of skirmishes. More likely that it happened after the Horbin. More likely that way, it was a lot more persecution that occurred after than before, especially when we get towards the Beitar Revolution. So what happens is, there was a person from the south. Now, this is a Jew. There was one guy from the south of the country here, Davakavitz Mila, he was able to jump a mill. So that's pretty incredible because a mill is 2,000 Amma. So he's like a, a real supernatural over here, his powers. The cult of and he would kill all Romans. He just was very good, super warrior. Shockingly, case of the Tagabasuyahar, the Caesar took his crown off and he put it on the ground. Amar, he like daven to the Abisha, the Caesar. And he said, Master of the world, if you want, you shouldn't deliver me, meaning the Caesar, and the whole kingdom into the hands of a single person. I mean, he davened that, uh, that he'd be successful in not losing war. So actually, what happened was, is that then the, the, the southern, the man, the Jewish man from the south, said something he shouldn't have said, and that brought him down. What did he say? He stumbled. He made a mistake. He said over a pasuk and tailum. What's the pasuk? That Hashem, you have forsaken us, and you shouldn't go out with us in battle. So what did he mean by that? What does he say? Hashem shouldn't come out with us in battle. He was saying, Abishah, don't worry, I've got this. 
he was saying a little bit too pompous, a little bit too confident. He's saying, look, I've got, you've given me the supernatural powers. I'm going to rely on these powers. We're going to win. Everything's going to be fine. Don't bother yourself as if we're coming out and delivering the enemy into our hands. Everything will be good. He said over this Pasuk and Tehillim, this was a huge mistake because the person should never rely on their own power. Always be davening to Hashem instead. And therefore, that's how he came. Uh, he, was, he was, we're going to see, he was captured. So as the one of the obvious kasha is that where's the source of that Pasuk? Tehillim. So David said that, right? David said that. If David said that, how could it be that it's a bad thing? David says it rhetorically, like a question. He's saying, Hashem, why aren't you with us? That's what he was saying. So in other words, he wasn't saying, Hashem, don't come with us. The person here from the South, he meant it that way. He was saying, Abishto, we don't need you. David wasn't saying, we don't need you. He was saying, to the contrary, we need you, and we don't understand why you're not here with us. So he, he misunderstood, really, the meaning of the Pasuk and Tehillim. He made a mistake, and therefore, that brought him down. How did he actually get hurt? All of these, like he said, he went to the bathroom. Also, Durinka, there's a snake that comes sham to the Kashne, and it just totally took out his whole intestines, the bowel area of Anach Nafshe, and he died immediately. So Amar, the Caesar, said, Now, since this miracle occurred, now we're going to leave the Jews alone. Meaning, this is a sign from heaven, I don't have to go kill the Jews now. He left and he went. So all the Jews, they ate, they drank, they were so happy because to them, it's, it, it was a bit, maybe a bit bittersweet that they lost their great warrior, but it was a miracle. Right? The enemy suddenly leaves. So they're eating and drinking. And they lit so many candles in celebration. That the, there are small little designs on a person's signet ring were seen already from a mill away. So what does that mean? If a Roman soldier is standing a mill away from the ring, because of the great intensity of all the light, he's able not only to know that there is a Jew there and that he's, ring, and that he's wearing a ring, but that... Uh, but that there were whatever sign, whatever was, whatever image, whatever form was on the was on the ring was visible as well. So maybe it was an exaggeration, but the point it was it was extremely extremely light. So Amar the Caesar said, they're mocking me, meaning to say they're they're celebrating as if they think the fact that I left means that I was scared. Other so we attacked him again, and that's the right thing here. You don't win. You don't celebrate the fact that your enemy left. You celebrate defeat. When you beat your enemy, you didn't defeat him. He just left. He decided not to engage war. So it was a reckless thing for the Jews to do. So he attacked them again. Says the Gemara, now we learn about how bad the battle was. Amar Vasi, Tlatsim, Alu Tor Malka. 300,000 people, soldiers with swords, who came up to Haramala. They just killed people for three days and three nights straight. On the, on the other side of the mountain where the celebration was, they didn't realize the circumstances that were taking place. So it was such a big mountain that there were two sides, and the irony was the party was still going on on one side while the massacre had begun on the other side. So this is part of the irony in the Kinos, we say that a little bit, that sometimes a person is, you know, is celebrating and they, they don't realize even that on the other side everyone is mourning. And that's like the, the suddenness of the pain. Now how many people died? So in order to do this, we expound upon a psukim in Eicha. So the Pasuk says in Eicha, Bila Hashem v'lochamal, as kol no'os Yaakov. Hashem has consumed, swallowed literally, v'lochamal, he took no mercy. All of the dwelling places of Yaakov. That's the Pasuk here in Eicha, which we relate here to the story of Haramalch. It's a reference to the 600,000 different towns. That that uh, King Yanai had in Yaron Melech, and this King Yanai is all the way back to the Chashmonon. So it's not so clear, you know, is it exactly, so probably some sort of exaggeration. But the point is, there were a bunch of little towns here over the region of Har Melech. So Har Melech, you see, is not just one literal mountain; it's like a whole region. 
with a bunch of towns. Some review the Marbiani. She, she, right? Reba, Abra, Zoliana, Barbara, Malachi, every single one. There's a population that was as large as the numbers of those who left Mitzrayim. So we know that was a lot, right? There were three towns, which were, um, where there, where there were twice as much as the number that left Mitzrayim. Elohim, what are these three towns that had a million, two hundred thousand people? Kfar Bish, Kfar Shuklaim, and Kfar Dechraya. Kfar Bish, why is it called Kfar Bish? Bish literally means bad. They didn't give a house for people to live in. There was no guest houses. So it's like, right? That's the way of Sodom, not being nice to the people who passed through. Kfar Shuklaim, so Shuklaim is like, a, it's like called crest, like it's a certain type of stuff that's grown and it's used in medicines. That was what their Parnassa came from. They would sell it. Why is it called Dukhaya? Dukhaya means a male. Why is it called a male village? They would always have firstborn boys first. Only a girl. And then they wouldn't have any more children. So it's considered not a good thing. It's like a bad omen. We always say Bas is a, is a better, better omen. First, a firstborn daughter is a better omen than a firstborn boy. All right, says the Gemara, how exactly, how big is this? What are you talking about? I want to be able to hold 600,000 reeds. So you're saying it held 600,000 towns. What are you talking about? I wouldn't even hold 600,000 reeds. So he's saying, like, you're saying things that are way out of line here. Only with Tzaduki, Rabbi Hanina, there was once a Tzaduki who said to Rabbi Hanina, the rabbis lie, meaning like, this exact point, you describe these great numbers in the population at Har Malach when there's no way that it's reality. So Amalei Rav Hanina said, what does it say about Eretz Yisrael? This is a Pasuk in, 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 in Daniel. So it says, Eretz HaTzvi. Eretz HaTzvi. So it's, it's a fascinating thing because Tzvi really means to want something. Like you ever read like uh, Aksuba. Utsviyas, we talk about the Kala's wanting of the marriage. We say Utsviyas Maras, you know, so and so. Tzvi means to want, to desire. And that's the Pasuk in context with Nechem, in, in the Pasuk in Daniel. It's talking about the king desired that land. It was Eretz HaTzvi, the coveted, the desired land. But we're taking like a total play on words that Tzvi can also mean a deer. It's like a very interesting duality here in language. So we're saying it says about it, it's Eretz HaTzvi, it's like a deer. What happens? After you flay the skin from the deer, what happens is the skin, it contracts. It's not able to, to hold all the body anymore. That's just the nature of, the, of what happens to it. When people live there, it, it grows. When people are not there, it contracts. So there's this concept that there's an elasticity towards the Eretz Yisrael. So you shouldn't be surprised by what you perceive today as what makes sense and what we're describing the numbers here. Obviously, the, beautiful, the beauty in this is, the Sfasemis describes that that's exactly what, uh, when we talk about Eretz Tzvi, a person's desire, a person's capacity for growth, so it's exactly like that. Tzvi, besides being a deer, it's also Eretz Tzvi, a place of desire, a place of a person coveted. A place of desire means that, again, that same elasticity applies in human nature. Yeah, how, much, you know, how, much, how much can a person accomplish? How much, how, how much connection can they get? How much spiritual elevation can they get? The answer is, it grows. There's no defined, there's no set amount. You go to a place, you get in a good zone, you can grow leaps and bounds, way beyond what you think. When you don't have it, it contracts. It seems like you're completely incapable of it. So it has that same, that same component here. Says the Gemara, All these Amaram were sitting together. I mean, they said, If anyone heard anything about the place called Kfar Sechanya in Mitzrayim, then uh, let them speak up. Meaning it was a place, it was destroyed. They wanted to know whether or not the people there were good or bad. Let's tell, let me tell you about Kfar There was a story with a man and a woman who were, in, in, you could say engaged, but they were already, already, already married. They just hadn't consummated their marriage yet. And the, the, the town got captured by Goyim. 
So what happened was the guy said, okay, you're married, right? we're in control of you now, and you guys are legally married. They hadn't done a formal wedding, but the guy said, you're fully married. So Amrlo, the wife said, I ask you, please don't touch me. I don't have a ksuba. That's the halacha. It's forbidden. So if they didn't have a formal ksuba, they didn't have the document with the kasher edim, so then he's not allowed to touch her even if they're married. And he was able to, 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 to adhere to that. But Lord, about Yomos, until the day he died, he didn't touch her. Amazed, when this person died, she said to everyone at the, you know, at the Leviah, she said, give this person an amazing eulogy. Why? He was able to push away his desire and an Isayon that was greater than the Isayon of Yosef. Uh, Yosef obviously was the story with Ashes Potiphar. So she contrasted how much harder her husband's Nisayan was not to touch her than Yosef. See, Yosef, it was one moment. He had to overcome it in one moment. He ran out and that was it. Whereas this person overcame the temptation every single day. Happens to be that it's not so partial what the Gemara is saying. That it, Yosef only overcame one moment. It says that he could love Yom Yom. And the Gemara in Saita we learned says that she was relentless, right? She incessantly had a, was we know the greatest moment of temptation was in the moment when they were alone. But it wasn't like out of the blue. What seemed by Yosef was a continuous, incessant trial. But it seems at least that the highest moment of temptation was only for a moment. Whereas here is called Yomar every single day. Yosef It wasn't necessarily in the same bed. They were tempted together in one bed, meaning to say they're captured and they're lying together in the same bed. So it, it almost seems natural. Yosef wasn't, wasn't tempted by his wife. Here it's his wife. So meaning... All the it's so much easier to, to do it when it's in one's wife. It's just okay. There's no ksuba. Like everyone relaxed, but he 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 still was able was able not to do it. So that's the show is the greatness of this town. Pasach idaf and other chacham said, There was a time where four forty mudios of grain. That's a volume of grain cost a dinner. And then what happened was suddenly the rate dropped. A dinner could only buy thirty nine. So I shouldn't say the rate dropped, maybe it got bigger, whatever, whatever that economics is. But the point is the buying power of the dinner went down. So that means suddenly there's inflation in town. So they said, why is there inflation? They searched, they said, okay, let's do teshuva. There must be a reason for this, for this inflation. They discovered that there was a father and a son who had both had relations with a Nara, a girl who was 12 to 12 and a half, and she was already married. On Yom Kippur, in the basin, they brought them to the court. They gave them a stoning. And then the proper uh, rate came back. So what do we see from here? That is an amazing city. What an amazing city. They were so into, obviously there was a crime, but the point is they were so in touch spiritually with everything that was taking place that literally the basic economics of the city were affected by where the people were holding and they were able to correct it. And then another There was a man who wanted to divorce his wife because he was from was too much. So what did he do? All of us, he was just enough. He invited all his friends. This is the most cunning trick out there. He gave them food. He gave them drink. He got them drunk, and he laid them together on the bed with his wife. Then he brought a white of an egg and he placed it in front of them. He was trying to fake that this was semen. Then he brought Adam to come to witness it and say, "Look, look what's going. On. Look what happened." Now, obviously, just to understand a little bit is that you don't execute based upon circumstantial evidence. There's no way that you walk into a crime scene like that. You're not seeing the bia. So that wouldn't be a raya and you wouldn't kill the people. But in terms of making a woman forbidden to her husband, so as soon as it's mechur hadavar, as soon as it reaches a circumstantial level where it seems compelling that something occurred, even if you don't have witnesses that actually saw it explicitly, then she would become awesome. What does that help him? That helps him that then he's allowed to divorce without the ksuba. Because when a woman is mazana and she's the reason why the marriage is ending, so then you don't have to pay the ksuba. So that, that was his plan. 
So I shall say, I'm talking to Shammai Zaka, who's an older Zaka in there, from the students of Shammai the Elder. His name was Baba Mbuta Amalam. He said to him, Kafu Ganim Shammai Zaka. I have the tradition from Shammai Zaka. Luban Beitz of Solomon Ar. If you put the white of an egg in front and expose it to fire, it will contract. What happens is that it flows away. What does it mean it flows away? The point of it is that it just seeps into the cloth. So when you have the egg, it gets like crusty. But when I have the semen, it, it gets into the cloth when exposed to fire. So that's the test, how to know what it really is. They did this examination. It was exactly the way he said. It was discovered it was an, it was an egg white. They gave him malchus and basting. And they collected the ksuma. So very interesting. What would you say? Does this prove that the people, the residents of the town are righteous or not righteous? It seems like from the context of the Gemara that this story also should be tacked on to show that they're righteous. How do I see that? Because right away, the next line of the Gemara says, If they were so righteous, these people of Tzchanya, then why were they punished? So, so which story said that they were righteous? I mean, and even the first, they just showed, you know, individuals. But it seems like you got to like add all these stories together and some other shows that they were righteous. How does the last story show that they were righteous? Because there was one Sadiq who had a tradition and that's why he was able to catch the guy. It's hard to understand. Not so easy. Why is it such compelling, so compelling that they were all Sadiq? Anyways, the Gemara says, so why was it destroyed? Amar lay, very scary Gemara, Mishum Zulusaba, Yushalayim. They were good people, but they are apathetic about the destruction of the It says that we have to, all those who mourn will be besimcha. There's a punishment, a scary punishment for those who don't mourn over Yerushalayim. Okay, now we get to the third story. We finished the rooster and the hen, and that destroyed Har Melech. Now we get to Betar. Betar, right? We know the context, the revolution. We have the whole, the whole thing when Bar Kokhla leads the revolution, and... Uh, Basically, the Romans came and killed everybody. We'll see the numbers. It was a story based upon the side of a carriage. The door of a carriage, Betar was destroyed. Whenever a baby boy was born, they would plant a tree. When a baby girl was born, they would plant a tornisa, a pine tree. When they would get married, they would cut down the two trees, and then they would make the chuppah. The chuppah was made out of wood, and they would make the chuppah from that wood. Beautiful minuk. One day, the Caesar's daughter was passing by. And the side of her carriage broke down. So they needed more wood to fix it. So the people who were helping her, they cut down, these Romans, they cut down a tree that had been planted for one of the Jewish boys and they started to use it. So the Jews fell upon them and they killed them. So they told the Caesar, they told the Caesar, the Jews have rebelled against you. And the Caesar came and he came to fight against the Jews in Beitar. So we describe now, again, everything is based off the Pesukim in Eicha, a little bit difficult because the Pesukim were written before, but we say it is Nevuah referring to the future of the destruction of Beitar. It says in the Pesukim, Hashem has cut off with anger all of the Karen Yisrael, all of the horn, the dignity of Kla Yisrael. These are the 80,000 Karni Muhammad, like the leaders of legions. They entered the city of Beitar when it was captured. These are Romans. They enter in. They slaughtered men, women, and children. There was so much blood that it flowed all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. Maybe you'll tell me Beitar was close to the sea, so it's not so incredible. It's a mill away. Tanya says in the There's actually two rivers in the valley called Yadayim. One goes one way, one goes the other way. That the rivers are two parts water and one part blood. All the blood coming from the Harugi Beta. 
It took seven years that all the vineyards around there, the Goyim didn't have to fertilize their fields. Why? Because all the blood is saturating the soil. So that's actually, ironically, a good sense of fertilizer. So they weren't busy with it. Now, the Gemara describes here on the Ahmed Beis. It's a little confusing because we're going to go back to the first base of message. I was going to confuse with this in the Kinos. Remember that story with the, the blood of Zechariah? He was a Kohen and a Navi, and they killed him on Yom Kippur. He, he had a Navua, and they, had, they didn't like it. And when you see the story, they killed him. The Jews killed their own Navi. So just to clarify things, we're in the middle of Beitar, 70 years after the destruction of the second base of Mekdash. Now we're going to jump back to the first base of Mekdash. Towards the end, the Navua of uh, the Navua here from Zechariah. So let's see. It's just because it's a lot of blood. One of the elders Yerushalayim told me, that in this particular valley, there was someone called Nevuzadron. He was a Babylonian guy. First place to make Tosh's Babel. He was the chief executioner. He killed 211 211 10,000, which is a way of saying 2,110,000 people. And Yerushalayim, he killed um, what happened was he killed so many people at the destruction of the first base of Mikdash that the blood touched the blood of Zechariah. In other words, when, they, when the Jews killed Zechariah, the blood went on the base of Mikdash floor and it never left. It didn't dry up. It just always was left on the floor. And when this Nebuzadrim was killing all these Jews years later, by the destruction of the first base of Mikdash, the two bloods met. The bloods of all the Jews being killed met up with the blood of Zechariah. Blood touches blood. So that's a very, very scary concept when they touch. So what happens? How did this come to be? What happened was Muzashrin found the blood of Zachariah that was boiling. So just to understand, this is years later, right? This isn't like it happened yesterday. And he comes to the currency. And he's years later, the blood is still boiling. So I'm my high. He says to the coin, what's going on? They told him, eh, it's just some blood from Carbonos that's spilled. I see Dama Vluid, but he brought blood of other animals and it didn't compare, meaning it looked different. Amalu, he said, if you tell me what it is, good. If you don't tell me, I'll tear your flesh apart with combs of iron. So Amrle, the Khanim said, My name what are we gonna tell you? We have to we'll admit the truth. Nivia Havakam There was a Navi amongst us, He would give us Musr in uh, you know spiritual matters, and we didn't like it. Come in any live we rose up and we killed him. It's been years now that the blood refused to go to subside. So Amalu said, I know if I sign a no problem. I'll figure out how to appease him. I says an edge gloves and edge He brought all the judges from the great Sanhedrin, the small Sanhedrin. Allah, he killed all of them over the blood of, of Zechariah. He was trying to like, you know, appease it and say, should this be a good enough punishment? But the blood didn't stop. Young boys and girls, he killed them, it didn't rest. School children still didn't rest. Amalei finally said to the blood, Zechariah, Zechariah. So much about him. I have killed the best. Do you want me to kill all of them? As soon as he said this to the blood, eventually it came to rest. So now we start understanding, understanding what it means the blood is meeting the blood. But he shied at that moment. Here, Chuva Badaitin, Muzajan got a hero Chuva, a thought of repentance. Amar, he said, Who cares so much for the death of Zechariah? I look at how many people I killed. Hashem's going to be pretty upset at me. This is the punishment the Jews got for killing one person. For I killed so many people, I'm for sure going to be in trouble. So Arak, he ran. Azal, he went. Shadr, Shudr, Post, he sent a document instructing his house what to be done. In other words, 
take all my property, do whatever this and that with it. He himself converted to Judaism. And now we learn a little bit about that. Tana, sometimes we have people who convert, uh, ironically, enemies of Klai Yisrael. Naaman was a, became a Gertoshev. That's a Gertoshev. It's just like a, you know, a loyal citizen in Israel. And Huzadron is a Gert Tzedek. He totally became Jewish. The sense of descendants of Sisra taught to be children Yerushalayim. And the sense of Sancheirev, who was the one who exiled the ten tribes, they taught Torah in public. Maniu, who are the descendants of Sisra of Sancheirev? the two great zugos. Hashem said, I put the blood on a smooth surface and it will never be covered. It will never go into the ground. Okay, now, remember the Pasuk, Abbas Pasuk with Yaakov and Esav. It says, So we're going to say that, you know, normally we don't think about it this way, but we actually are going to say it's a Nevua about how Klaisro will fall to Rome. So what does this mean? This is the voice, meaning the voice. The voice, not of tefillah, but rather the voice of us crying out. Like we're crying when we're being massacred. That's what happened when Hadrian, the Caesar, heard us. He killed in Alexandria. 600,000 people plus another 600,000. Double the number of Mitzrayim. So this is like, you don't even know about this, right? This is not even in Israel. This is in Alexandria. This is Hadrian. This is way later, right? This is... Decades and decades after the Chorban Abayas, and now after the Jews, a lot of them found haven in Alexandria. We know there was like another temple there even, and uh, he's killing them over there. Kol Yaakov, so that's one call. The Kol Yaakov, the second one, says, Pesinus Keser, that refers, to, that refers to Vespasian. We learned about him. So there's a whole question about if it's really him, because the Vespasian that we learned about yesterday, the besieging the city, he wasn't so bad. But it seems, rather, that there are people who changed the Gersa. Um, we changed the Gersa to a different Roman emperor because it doesn't make sense it was Vespasian. Shahar, Bakrach, Beitar, Abim, And Beitar, he killed 4 million people. I'm the Abel of Rebo. Some people say 40 million. So all the cries that came from the people when they died. It's a general reference to Rome. They did bad stuff. They destroyed our base of Mikdash, burned it down, and exiled us. Now, this is the positive thing. Every single power of Tfilah has a little bit of Yaakov mixed in. There's no victory on the battlefield that doesn't have a little bit of Esav in it. Okay. Now, just to get back to a little bit to Bar Kamsa, it was all the lush and horror that brought it down. So, Hanan Damar Lazar, Bitoj, Lashon Techabe. When the Lashon, which is a tongue, is Bishot, you should hide. So, what does it mean, Bishot? Bechiruso Lashon Techabe. When it, you know, is slandering, when it's, when it's poking, when it's hurting people, then you should hide, because then you know bad things will happen. Okay, Amar of Yudomar Rav, my Desiv, the Pasuk says by David Amalek, Al Naharos Bavel, by the river of Bavel, Shami Shalom Gamachinu, we sat and cried, Bisachrinu, and we remembered the Beis Amikdash. So, this to understand this, David didn't live to see the Beis Amikdash built. Certainly, he didn't live to see it being destroyed. So, what does it mean? So, Amalami, Chara, Kalish Barakul, David, Hashem showed David in Nevua, Korban Baimes, Mishra, Mishra, he showed him the destruction. Korban Baimes, Mishra, Shem, Al Naharos Bavel, Shami Shalom Gamachinu, so Bavel destroyed the first Beis Amikdash. By Yishini, Desiv, Zachar, Shem, Lutnei Adom, the passage continues. Hashem should remember this Yom Adom. That's Rome. So that refers to the destruction of the second base Amikdash. Okay, so now we're going to move a little bit to a tangent here. It's, it, it, it's you know we, we we describe this 
uh, a little bit in the keynotes as well that we were saying on Tisha B'Av, but it's, it, 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 we're going to expound a Pasuk that basically speaks about the dedication of mysterious Nefesh that Jews had to give up their life for the Eibishah. There was a story, there were 400 boys and girls that were captured and were taken out to Rome for what? L'Kalon. Kalon means for disgraceful activity. Evidently, it was going to be, uh, they were going to be molested. They sensed what the Romans were going to do to them. Armor, they said, If we drown in the sea, if we commit suicide and just jump off the boat, will we go to Olam The greatest one said, I'll bring back from Bashan, I'll bring back from the depths of the sea. So, what is that referring to? I'll bring back from Bashan, means Hashem will bring people from the, from the teeth of the lion. In other words, Bashan can be bane chain between, between the teeth. Hashem will save those who drown in the sea. So, what does that mean, He'll save them? In other words, even though they've given up their lives, Hashem will bring them to Olam Abba. The girls heard this. They immediately jumped and fell in the sea. The boys now made a kavachomer for themselves. And they said, If the girls, which is they're going to be molested, at least it's natural. So for them, they were still moist and and they gave up their life. We're going to be forced. We're the boys. So it's going to be an unnatural molestation. It's not natural. So all the more so we should give up our life. They also jumped into the sea. It's because of the Abisha that we were killed all the time. We're considered just like sheep for slaughter. So this is the Pasuk in Tehillim. And it's being said in a complimentary way, a very interesting scenario. And we again we reference these as be like the greatness of the of the mysterious nefesh of the people. We recite this at the kinos. Okay. Or the Kamar says another story that can demonstrate this. Review the Amar's we should announce the story with the woman and her seven sons. I see what they brought the first one in front of the Caesar. Amule said to him, you better worship an idol. Amalu he said back to the Caesar, I'm Hashem your God. I can't do that. They took him out and killed him. I said, the look at the case. They brought the second one. He said to him, Plaka, what is our bow down? Bow down. It says not to have foreign gods. They took him out and killed him. They brought the third one. Anyone who brings a sacrifice to a god will be destroyed. They killed him. They brought a fourth one. We can't bow to another god. They brought the fifth one. They killed him. As you lead about the sixth one, Armelu Plach, but Azar, Armelu, Kasuba Torah, Viadata, Yamacho, Silvacha, Kiashim, Only God is the only one. So Akuva Kalua, they killed him. Finally, here's the last one. So it says that there's this reciprocity between us and Hashem that we single out Hashem to be our God and Hashem singles out Klal Yisrael to be His people. So what does that mean? That we have that, that relationship with Hashem. We have a treaty with God. We will never exchange it for another God. And he in exchange, he swears to us, he'll never exchange us for another nation. So he was adamantly refusing. So the case of the case of said it, he gets desperate. Let me at least throw down my signet ring to you. Bend down and pick it. At least people will say that you accepted the king's instruction. At least it should look that like, like you did. You bowed down. I'm the boy said, Woe to you, Caesar. You're so concerned for your own honor. How much more so do we have to be concerned for the Abish's honor? So they were about to kill him. The mother said, Give him to me. Let me kiss him just a little bit before he dies. She said, Tell Avram your father. And Yanedah. 
You made one sacrifice. I made seven karmanos. Afi also She also went up and died. It seems that she lost her sanity. The mother of the children rejoices. In other words, she was able to find the sense of at least an inner simcha in the fact that her children had the, the ability to make the shem shabbat. So that's a second shot in the pasuk. First shot, the, all they all committed suicide not to be molested. The second shot is. The, not about Avodah Zarah, the mother here with the story with the mother and her seven sons. Now, a third and third tribe, referring to Bismillah, which is done on the eighth day. The idea is it's a very dangerous procedure, Bismillah. The child is very young. We are killed all the time. You mean there is sacrifice. The Mepharshim explained a very interesting thing that really, it, naturally, we would say that Bismillah is way too dangerous, but the idea is that the mitzvah protects. And that's what the Pasuk is referring to. It's a reference to Tavid Chachamim. They get a little bit too into their studies. When they're learning Hilchah Shrita, you have to know exactly on the neck, where this or that. So they take a knife and they just, you know, demonstrate, make like a, like a little mark. Not like they're not intending to hurt themselves. But the Maisa, mistakes happen and they get hurt. And that's what it means. In the name of God, right? They're trying to learn. They, they, they become killed all day. Rava, it's not a good thing. A person can demonstrate anything on himself. Never demonstrate a shlita on your own neck. Never like point to your body and say, okay, this is where the tzaras goes, so on and so forth. Because it's a bad omen here. A fifth shot. It's a reference to the Torah scholars. In order to learn, they kill themselves. In other words, they sacrifice so much. That the words of the Torah are only fulfilled and kept. Someone who kills himself over them. person who will die in the tent. This is what the Torah is. A person dies in the tent. What does it mean? You die in the tent. Different pshatim. Chavaz Chaim was famous. He used to say that the idea is when you're learning, the whole world dies to you. You're only focused. It's the idea of focus. Others say, Baal Shem Tov said, you name is Atzma. You kill the, the ego, the essence. The Atzma has to die. Torah is, Torah is, a, is meant to be, um, is meant to be humbling. Okay, we'll stop here for today.